Episode 259 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. Fly with Garmin Avionics, then grab your mobile device and make the Garmin Pilot app your cockpit companion. Get advanced functions you'll use before, during, and after every flight, including updating your aircraft's databases and logging engine data, plan, file, fly, log with Garmin Pilot. The Pilot to Pilot podcast is brought to you by Learn the Finer Points. Use the link below to save 10% off their ground school app. My name is Sean Nilsson. I am the CEO of Sears Aircraft. AV Nation, what is going on? And welcome back to the Pilot to Pilot podcast. My name is Justin Seams, and I am your host. Today's episode is with the CEO of Sears, Sean Nielsen. Sean comes on to talk about 2022 Sears, 2023, and how they forecast for right now, which would be 26, 27, 28 down the line. So this is a great conversation we have with Sean. I'm super, super excited to have him on and hope that we continue these conversations throughout the years because it's a lot of fun to get insights from the CEO of Sears and just hearing what's going on in the industry uh, and Sears itself. So Aviation, I hope you enjoy this podcast. Grab a first form protein bar. Like I said in the last podcast, they're changing my life. Check out the link below so you can get one as well. They are amazing. But grab it. Enjoy it. This is a great one. So any further ado, here's Sean Nielsen. Sean, what's going on? Welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, it's always great to have you on. Uh, this one is virtual. Last time we talked, it was in person and serious. Uh, what I have to say is probably my favorite tent. And uh, a big thing has to do with that is because of the air conditioning. Because as everyone knows, it can get pretty hot out there. <laughs> so having air conditioning and cold water, you can just get so many people in there buying airplanes. <laughs> we, we aim to please. Yeah, which you did great. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's been a while. Uh, things have changed. You know, the market is insane. Like uh, anyone you ask has a different opinion on what it's going to be doing. So I'm looking forward to diving in uh, and kind of learning more about Sirius and how they prepare and project sales and everything like that. But let's go ahead and get started with just a recap of 2022. Uh, from outside looking in, it looks like it was a fantastic year for Sirius uh, and just you couldn't make enough airplanes to sell. So why don't you just give me a quick little recap of how 2022 went? Sure. Um, 2022 was really a tale of two stories, if you will. Um, you know, on one hand, you know, demand far outpaced um, capacity, if you will, which was great. Uh, and on the other side, um, like most companies out there, not just in aviation, but most companies, you know, supply chain and scaling manufacturing was was really challenging. Not only from you know getting enough parts and and so forth, um, you know to to the line at the appropriate time and in the right quality, but also um, you know simply uh, hiring enough people to um, uh, to train and 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 um, insert into our manufacturing setup. In fact, we we added almost 495 people last year net uh, to the to the company. Um, so that's an awful lot of people to obviously onboard and train and and. Um, you know, getting to get in, into a production environment, but but um, um, nonetheless, it went uh, pretty well, um, and and we ended up with a, a record result for the company. Um, uh, the Q4 Gamma report, uh, which is sort of the industry uh, reporting mechanism and 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 association for all the um, you know all the players in the industry, um, haven't had they haven't published their fourth quarter yet, but through the third quarter, uh, we took market share both on. The SR, the piston, you know, uh, platform, and also the jet uh, platform. So uh, I believe it's about 26% global market share in the jet in the you know category that we play. 
and about 46% market share on the SR um, in the category that we play. So it was a good year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just everyone I talk to, they're always <laughs> always all about Sirius and looking to see what you guys are doing. But you mentioned something really interesting about kind of the manufacturing and the actual building of the planes and how difficult it was to source the products necessary to even make planes or like you said, get talent. Did you ever feel a sense of pressure? Uh, obviously, you want to sell as many planes as you can, but is there ever that sense of pressure to, I don't know about like, not obviously not degrading safety, but uh, just trying to really set like a, a tone uh, of safety over kind of making money? Because obviously as a CEO, you want to sell as many as you can and it can be kind of hard and get caught up in like, well, we just got to push, 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 push. And sometimes you can sacrifice safety or overlook a couple of things in the way. So talk a little bit about the dynamic of making sure you're still building a serious product, what everyone expects and the pressures of what the market last year created? Yeah, so uh, we, we uh, actually do not allow that pressure to compromise any of our uh, safety or quality standards. Um, you know, safety is is a hallmark. It's in our vision statement. Um, it's, it's, you know, in the DNA of the company, right? We have a parachute on the airplane, um, you know, full well knowing that we could, without the parachute, we could have had another passenger or more fuel and so forth. But we, we always um, favor the, the, the safety uh, side of the business, right? So that has never entered into our decision-making at all, like, you know, volume over safety or quality. So it's always safety and quality first. Um, so so uh, uh, that's, that's never f- for sale, if you, if you will. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the drawback of, of that is obviously that uh, your backlog, you know, increases. Um, there's only so many hours in the day and so much tooling and so forth that you have, you know, at facilities that you, that sort of is a limiting factor. Uh, but that's, you know, that's one part of the, the equation. The other bit is even if you could scale faster and build more airplanes, that wouldn't necessarily be wise because you got to make sure that there's a network of partners, you know, service, training, maintenance, insurance, financing, whatever the case may be, that scales alongside you, right? Otherwise you'd be sending these airplanes out into a market where they become orphans, if you will. Mm-hmm. So you, you wanna make sure that the, the recipient market is appropriately scaled along with manufacturing, right? So it's not just you know, how many airplanes you can produce, uh, it's, it's all the other things that go along with a great ownership experience, right? Because you don't wanna sell, you know, a million dollar airplane at, uh, to somebody who will struggle to get it serviced afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that kind of goes on with the, like we talked about before, uh, when, when someone's buying a Sirius, you know, they're, they're buying into this family, they're buying into the hopes of eventually, you know, they're in the SR20, maybe they go to the 22, maybe they go to yep. the Vision Jet, like it's all about this whole family kind of mentality and, and growing within Sirius, if you may, with all the options and that you offer. So it makes yep. sense to, to kind of project it that way. And I'm guessing it can be kind of frustrating when you're held back, not from like Sirius's own doing, you know, it's not like anything that you guys are doing, or you all are doing to, to hold back sales or hold back deliveries, but it's just uh, the pressures of the market that uh, kind of played out. Um, yeah, I mean, again, there's, there's, there's pros and cons, you know, with, with, uh, with everything, right? Um, like, we certainly don't consider ourselves a victim of, of, of anything. Um, we, we, we try and run the business for the long haul uh, and make good long-term decisions and not think about you know, quarters or, you know, annual results, but more like what's the right thing for the customer for the long term. If you, if you treat the customer right, um, 
you know, to generally that that good for, that's good for business. Right? Yeah. So so that's our focus, right? Yeah. Um, how do you make a great ownership experience? How do you make a great airplane? You know, how do you get them uh, as owners comfortable flying? You know, a, a lot, right? Meaning, you know, competent with everything from just their you know getting them their PPL license, but all 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 through their you know the IFR or commercial or whatever they you know aspire to. Uh, you know to to do um but basically help them become really capable pilots because if they feel really comf- comfortable in the airplane they will fly more and they will you know make their way up the the uh, ladder if you will in terms of uh, more capable um, airplanes um, and they'll consume more parts and services right the more they fly so we, uh, our, our mission really starts with like making pilots right and then getting them into the family and and into the into the ecosystem, which I think is really what sets us apart from a lot of the the industry, which is this complete end to end ecosystem that we are that we're building out. Yeah, for sure, I would definitely agree with that. As a CEO, would you say there's never really like an easy time of being a CEO? Because even like you said last year, where everyone can look at at Cirrus or any company and be like, "Dang, that year was great." I'm sure it was just like easy to go ahead, but you don't really see the challenges. Is there a difference between, or not necessarily a difference, but talk about what would you rather be in position of uh, a 2022 year where you know you're really trying to get creative on trying to get these planes out and build it safe and as possible, or thinking about like a 2008, 2009. Uh, of preparing for for a market downturn or having having some struggles getting products into to customers' hands. It's funny that you asked that question because we we just had our annual um, CX or consumer experience conference uh, this year it was in Las Vegas where um, seven almost eight hundred partners from all over the world you know training centers service centers sales and and so forth you know came in and and I talked a little bit about that um, there and. Interestingly enough, 2022 was really challenging for a lot of people, um, not just, you know, uh, CEOs, but, um, and I sort of compared it to actually the, the 07, 08 crisis and also going into the, the COVID lockdowns in 2020. And and those two crises were very immediate. They happened like, you know, literally it felt like overnight, right? So you're reacting to it. You're you're trying to make the best possible decision as you can uh, that you uh, that you can as fast as possible. The difference between so it's it's sort of everybody is in it. You're trying to get your arms around it, and you're moving on to the next decision right away, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas when you navigate a prolonged three year crisis, which technically COVID has caused, right? Um, which evolves and changes every year or every month with some sort of new thing that that, that didn't go as you had planned, right? Um, it could be supply chain, it could be manufacturing, it could be super low unemployment, you know, so now it's difficult to find, you know, talent. Um, uh, navigating a prolonged three-year crisis has been far more challenging for anybody, uh, for, for, I think for everybody than they had, than they had anticipated, including uh, us. Yeah. Um, so so it, um, it's lots of uh, small things, lots of course corrections, lots of calibrating that you're constantly doing rather than sort of big decisions. Which is funny because on the outside looking in, you know, uh, the the average person is going to see your sales records or how much profit you made. And they're going to be like, wow, that must have been an easy year for, for someone. Or like they didn't have any struggles, but it's quite the contrary where there's actual kind of struggle in that and a different set of problems, right? Yeah. And I think, 
um, what sort of separates um, companies, not just within aviation right now, what has happened over the last, let's call it year, is this idea of a free launch, right? You know, very inexpensive money you could go borrow. Um, you know, so companies that, that, that started out with sort of these, you know, big aspirations and, and we can just grow our way out of the, you know, the, you know, the gravity, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and uh, you know, access, you know, money from investors or, or cheap capital from banks, those days are over now, right? Now, you know, those companies now with floating interest rates, you know, have real debt to pay back, right? And it at six, 7% interest rates or whatever they end, they end up paying, it's an awful lot of overhead that they now need to contend with, right? So if you run your business, um, you know, more um, efficiently and, and um, and thoughtfully, if you will, um, I think you you can really separate yourself because I think there's going to be lots of mergers and lots of bankruptcies coming in in the horizon here. Um, yeah. and, you know, vertical and takeoff, uh, you know, is is one example, right? I think there's more than a hundred of such companies that have started out in the last you know four or five years. Clearly, there's not room for all of them. <laughs> it's really funny to say I, that because every day yeah. I feel like I'm on Twitter or something and I, I see another Twitter ad for an eVTOL and it's like, how many are there? <laughs> like, I can't even keep up with them anymore. So, unfortunately, I mean, I hate to laugh at that, but you are you are probably onto something with that. It's like there's not enough room for, for every one of those companies. You could, I mean, you, you can just see, you know, Boeing and Airbus, right? There's, there's room for two, maybe three big ones, you know, like that out there. You know, the GA players, there's only room for so many. So, you, so to have a hundred or more vertical takeoff and landing, there's just not enough volume, right? Um, you know, to to uh, to go around unless a whole bunch of you know technologies that do not exist today all of a sudden appear, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think everybody is sort of assuming that oh, this will be the next Tesla, right? Or it'll be the next um, you know automobile sort of you know breakaway. And that, yes, there's like what ninety million cars being produced every year. Um, but can you imagine, you know, downtown urban areas with thousands of vertical takeoff and landing sort of helicopter-like airplanes zipping around the, your skyscraper and your office and your daycare center? And it's just, it's not going to happen in, in the near term. It's no. just, there's there's too many things in the way of that. Technology being one element, uh, infrastructure being another, uh, legislation being, you know, a third. Like, there's a, there's a lot uh, that has to happen before that becomes uh, a viable business. And I don't think a lot of these companies will have the stamina and, 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 and uh, funding to, to uh, last that long. So there's, I think a lot of them will, will merge or, 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 or uh, fade away. Yeah, and who knows, they, they might be positioning themselves to, to look like they're the best in hopes that, uh, I'm not saying like a Sirius, but maybe Textron or, or even Sirius or someone who's like, you know, we'll, we'll invest in this technology and see where it goes. So uh, it's definitely an interesting time for that. I mean, I haven't really yeah. thought too hard into the EVTOL market just because like you said, in my mind, it's like, all right, one, the FAA is like 20 years away from letting this happen. And two, there's no way they're going to let everyone take go hop in to go get groceries and go to Wegmans and their uh, EVTOL yet. It's going to be a disaster. Well, I mean, so... so um the FAA is 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 doing everything they can, I think, to keep up um, and and learn about the industry and so forth. But I think if there's generally a misunderstanding about the FAA, right? They are not subject matter experts in every single aircraft and every single platform, right? The OEMs are, and their job is to make sure that you know whatever gets their stamp of approval is safe. 
right? And has been tested to the best of their ability and so forth, right? So um, there's a lot of scrutiny that that um, these companies have to go through that the rest of us, you know, have been operating under for many, many years, right? And for, and for good reason, right? Yeah. If safety is 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 paramount. Um, so so uh, I think the FA is doing everything, you know, that they can with the resources that they have available to to do a good job to keep people safe, right? Yeah, it's just going to take some time yeah, for for them to learn new platforms and and come up with new certification uh, methods, right? Because um, you know a diesel or jet burning you know uh, engine um, is different than a, an electrical engine, right? So so um, it it just changes everything in terms of how they uh, need to certify things. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, do you see a future? You know, obviously, I, I know the answer. I'll probably go and ask this, but do you see a future with, with Sears entering that space in some capacity, whether it's through partnerships um, of to getting to your Sears or even Sears themselves kind of uh, making their own product in that space? Um, you, know, you, you should never say never, but it's, it's certainly not in the near term. Yeah. Um, meaning, uh, when I look at you know, sort of business opportunities, right? There's a, a handful of things that have to be in place for it to be a, a viable bet. And, and to me, there's too many things currently not there to, to make it a, uh, you know, a, a predictable bet, if you will. Um, by, by way of example, there's simply not enough power density in batteries today to create a mission that, that um, to me, um, has a real business opportunity. Um, even the best in the in, in the industry, and I, you know, I'm not going to name names now, but you know, maybe they get half an hour of flight, right? Because you know that you 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 use so much energy to get vertically off the ground, right? Whereas when we roll down the runway, um, you know, take off at you know 70, 80, 90 knots, whatever the, the takeoff speed is, we we get to borrow, you know, um, you know. It just sort of defy gravity, right? Because we 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 create natural lift. They don't have that when they take off, right? So it's all energy that they burn to get up, um, you know, and hover, and then you know, um, um, begin to move forward. So they they use a lot of their available energy just to, you know, get off the ground and then also hover down into whatever helipad that they have to land on. Um, so imagine a scenario where. You know, they take off from, I don't know, Walnut Creek in San Francisco and fly into San Francisco airport. Uh, well, most likely they will not be allowed to fly into active airspace, right? Where 300 passengers are coming down in, in a, at, at, you know, 200 miles an hour. Um, so, so they will have to you know, land somewhere near the airport at a helipad. Well, now you might as well have taken a taxi, right? Yeah. But what if that helipad is full? Um, you know, where do you hover to, right? And so, so you will have to land somewhere else. Well, that somewhere else might not have um, supercharging or, or, or electricity available, right? And so what, what do you then do at that point in time with both the passenger and the, and, and the aircraft or the, uh, you know, the you know, um, drone that you have, right? Yeah. So there's just so much in the way of, of coming up with a, a business case where the unit economics work, right? Um, and and I don't know the actual retail price uh, for for some of the vertical takeoff and landing, but I would assume that they're three, four, five million dollars, right? Because there's you know basically prototypes or, or early production units, and at that point in time, you know you might as well buy a helicopter. 
<laughs> you know, that does the same thing, <laughs> right? right? And, and that's cheaper and it has much more capability, right? Yes, it's not electric, uh, but in terms of handling that mission of a short hop, right? It, uh, you know, a helicopter is just as capable or better, right? So, so what, what are you trying to solve? Are you trying to solve a commuting issue or a unit cost issue or a safety issue? Or what, what is it that you're trying to solve? And I just right now cannot see technology being at a point where the pieces of that cake is there to, you know, to, 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 to put together. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the use case where you could actually fly in and out of cities and stuff like that, uh, or, or, or airports for that matter. Um, and our business model is very much around like, you'd use the airplane to go somewhere, right? Um, our airplanes are not, you know, particularly uh, designed for just flying around the pattern, right? And like you, you, you're going somewhere, you can fly from Chicago, to, you know, Florida in, in one of our airplanes. So, so it's designed to go somewhere. And, and that's our mission, yeah. right? Totally um, not, not just, uh, you know, a quick hop down to the grocery store. <laughs> exactly. Let's take a break from today's podcast to hear from our sponsors, RAA. Did you know there are three action steps you can take to protect yourself in a volatile market? Volatility in the market can make the best investor a little nervous and take actions that they know they normally wouldn't. It can be stressful and you may be thinking, shouldn't I be doing something though? Well, the answer is yes. The first and maybe the most important action you can take is to resist the urge to make decisions based on recent market movements alone. This is tough but will pay off in the long run. Next, if you're feeling stressed in this market, it may be time to review your risk tolerance and your ability to take a loss in downturns. We all like to think we can take the risk up until the point where we actually see fluctuations in our portfolio. And lastly, get a second opinion on where you stand financially so you can take a longer-term view of the market in your financial plan. Not sure where to start? RAA can help. Founded by Pilots for Pilots and with four decades of financial planning and investment management experience, RAA is intimately familiar with unique benefits, risks, and career timelines that pilots face. Whether you're early in your career as a pilot or you spent years flying the line, RAA is here to help navigate your financial journey from takeoff to touchdown. For more pilot-specific planning tips, go to raa.com slash pilot to pilot. That's pilot, T-O, pilot. And now back to today's episode. Uh, Speaking of technology, there's kind of a movement in the background, right? You know, single pilot in the airlines, eventually maybe automated flight. Um, Garmin has Autoland technology with a certain aircraft in the GA market already. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, it doesn't have to be kind of coming from serious. It could be like a personal, your thoughts, someone that's very involved in the general aviation community. What do you, how far out do you think we are from a reality of GA aircraft being more automated than they are right now or where Autoland is kind of like a full, uh, programming device or is able to be able to take off, cruise, land, taxi, all of the above. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a distinction between automated and autonomous. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So what you're talking about is autonomous, where th- essentially the airplane makes decisions, uh, you know, by itself, independently of of the ground. Right. Um, so in the, in the case of safe return, if if something were to happen to the pilot, you know, he or she, you know becomes incapacitated, the passenger can push a button in the ceiling and the airplane will land itself. Right? So it's making autonomous decisions, you know, finding the the, the, um, the closest by airport, the most suitable runway, flying around weather and or, or terrain, um, you know, calculating fuel, all that kind of stuff. So technically that solution exists today, mm-hmm. right? And it's in a series. Um, now it's designed for emergency use only. Um, and, and so the next evolution to, you know, to, to that over the next, you know, decade will be, how do we then 
transition that into more normal use, right? You know, how do you, you know, get to your point, take off landing assist, you know, taxiing, all those sort of things, you know, enabled and, and, um, and, and, uh, you know, certified by the FAA, right? So, to, so the technology is there today, right? It, it's how do you, how do you bundle that in a way where it has value for the customer uh, and, and is palatable for the, for the FAA. So, um, that's the, it, that's a matter of time. It's not a matter of if. Yeah. It's crazy to think about. I'm guessing it'd be more of like an assist still though, because most people who, I guess, I mean, maybe serious pilots are different, but I think most people that get into general aviation want to fly the actual plane. So maybe it's going to be more of like a, and you weigh in on this opinion as well. Maybe it's going to be more of like, Hey, this is an option if you want to as well, rather than be like, this is the only way to operate this aircraft. Correct. Um, I think that uh, I think you're, you're spot on there. Um, and I mean, a lot of it will be done by a partners, right? You know, some use Honeywell, some use Garmin, some use, you know, Abidine or whatever. Like, so there's, so there's, there's multiple players out there and, and it's, it has to be a, you know, sort of a handshake between the avionics and the airplane, you know, that, that allows it uh, to, you know, to, to come to fruition. Um, for instance, like um, you got to have, you know, electronic brakes or some version of that. Right. So you can brake when you land. Mm-hmm. Like so. So there's an there's an avionics piece of it, but there's also a bunch of things in the airplane that has to be automated to enable that experience to happen. Right. And, and um, in GA, a lot of the airplanes out there are, are really old. Right. <laughs> yes. um, and and uh, it's very costly to re-engineer a lot of these things. Right. And when you do that. And you start to implement things like fly-by-wire and other things, you know, an airplane could become heavier, right? And now you're, uh, if it becomes heavier, and now your takeoff and landing, you know, weights are different. Your how much fuel you can bring are different. So there's this sort of ripple-on effect, right? Yeah. Um. So so uh, for that reason, you know, that a certain part of the market moves pretty slow because you have all these trade-offs, right? That 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 you have to make. Um, and sometimes it makes business sense to do it, and sometimes you know it it, it doesn't. Um, like we have always been been very focused on continuously improving the product, right? Every time we 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 can add a feature or a benefit that adds value to the customer and makes them safer and the plane more automated, we try and do that. Um, now I think the real problem definition that we are trying to solve at at Cirrus is you know how do you make to your point a part time pilot safer. Right, because a lot of our customers, right, they're not um, professional pilots. Right, they have a they have a, a a job on the side that's their main job, and they use the airplane for leisure or for business purposes. But their their main job is not to be a commercial pilot. Right, so how do you make a part time pilot safer? Right, so once you start breaking that down, you you get into um, the way we look at it at least is you know. When does accidents happen, right? It, it's usually during, you know, takeoff and landing, you know, where workload is highest or um, or the pilot is fatigued. Right? So how do you um, eliminate um, or reduce perishable skills? Like how do you reduce workload? How do you reduce or eliminate multitasking? You know, how do you reduce the, the quantity of decisions that you have to make? Or how do you simplify decision making, right? Um, and for us, th- that that is doing those two phases of flight that we're focused um, and and um, specifically, you know, how do you communicate and how do you navigate and how do you aviate during those two f- phases of flight? 
Right. So you can certainly focus on automation and autonomous and so forth, but you know, when you eat an elephant one bite at a time, so you got to break that problem down into smaller chunks that you can actually do something about. And that's how we, that's how we think about it. Yeah. And when we're talking about kind of technology and even like think of thinking in the future, when Sirius goes to invest into these technologies, what kind of homework is done to make sure you're investing in the right thing? Like, how do you not get like, so far, like say people get so far drawn in the eVTOL market, uh, how do you kind of decide what to invest in and, and figure out what's best for your actual airplane and for your customers? Um, you know, there's some art and science in that, right? The, the, the science piece is you do business cases, right? You, you try and take your best possible uh, thinking um, and you try and quantify it. Like um, what's the customer's, you know, what is the technology cost to implement, right? You know, the engineering exercise, the hardware, the bill of material, the, the um, you know, changes to the production line. Like you try and, and size up all those things into sort of a business case and then you turn around and, and, you, and you start making assumptions around the customer's willingness to pay for such a feature. Right or such a safety, you know, addition and so forth, and um, so you come out with all right your very best business case, and and if that um, um, sort of passes the sniff test, if you will, like you know, in most companies and and ours do too, we have these hurdle rates that we say okay, it 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 has to have a believable return on the investment, and you set a you know a threshold or a hurdle rate for that, and and then um, you, you you sort of you go for it, right? Yeah. <laughs> but but you don't just like look at one individual thing, right? Because the whole business have, you know, business cases like that. You know, service. You know, the service organization will have its business cases for building out more service centers and and capabilities. You know, the training organization will have similar business cases. The product development, you know, division will have its business cases. So you try and take all those things and you stack rank them and you, and you say, okay, these things pay for themselves and can we fund them or not? Um, and then uh, you obviously try and string them together so they, you know, combined advance your long-term strategy, whatever that that might be, right? Um, so that's how we think about it. When Sirius goes into, so say like obviously 2022. Um, well, I guess I'll ask it this way. In 2022, when do you start preparing for 2023? Is that like a, a mid-year thing? Is that right away you have someone working on like what 2023 looks like to project for sales, uh, for, for kind of everything that Sirius bases performance and, and earnings off of? When does that process start for you guys? Um, well, we're looking at 25, 26, 27, yeah. you know, right now. So we, okay. we're much further out. Um, and the reason you have to do that is... Um, like you, you have to forecast to your vendors, right? That you need engines and avionics and propellers and whatever uh, that that goes into it, right? So it's not just enough that you plan for it. You got to tell your network of partners that they have to plan for it too, because um, otherwise you can come up with this mismatch, right? Like like a bodybuilder with big shoulders and <laughs> he never did he never did the leg exercises, right? Yeah. Uh, so so um, so that all has to sort of fit together. Um, so, so we plan, you know, uh, well beyond that now sort of in the near term, right? You have your financial plan, your, you know, operational plan and so forth, but you, you have to work with medium to long range planning, uh, exercises also. So, so, um, if you start planning for 2020, um, 
you know, three, you know, in December of 22, you're, you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta be, you gotta be well beyond that. Absolutely. Plus like most programs within aviation, right. Are five to 10 year programs because of certification and testing and all the things that come along with it. Right. So you, you, you're sort of conditioned for, for much longer cycles. Yeah. That's a very good point. And what do you like base these decisions off of for the future? Because obviously, who knows what 2026, 2027 is going to look like. Uh, even in 2022, it was hard to know what 2023 is going to look like. Is there going to be a recession? Like, how do you base in those factors? Do you kind of like take the last five years, project and like add like a plus or minus 10% or like what, what do you go about with that? Um, so, I mean, there's multiple ways of... of Doing that, um, you know, you could, to your point, the traditional way is, oh, let's just do five or ten percent better than the year prior. But that's not really anchored in anything, right? It's just let's just do a little bit better than the year prior, and we we don't think of it like that. Um, nor is a you know history a you know predictor of the future, right? So you got to get a little bit more sophisticated than that. Um, what we have decided to do is not to be limited by the size of the current market. Right, because then we would just be trading market share with the other players in in the sandbox, if you will. Mm-hmm. We have a belief that we can make a category, right? That that we can create a market that does not necessarily exist today. Which is why, at 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 the start of our funnel, right, is training. Like we have to create more pilots, right? And if we can create more pilots, well, then we create more potential owners, right? Um, like part of you know buying an airplane is obviously either you fly it or you find somebody else to fly it for you until you learn how to fly, right? Yeah. Um, or maybe you're you, maybe you're fine having a pilot, but um, and and that's why you need to build this ecosystem I talked about uh, before. Like so, you got to care about training, the actual demonstration, the sales, the after sales piece, the service, the you know managing the aircraft, the financing, the insurance. The, so you got to care about that whole ecosystem, and once you create that flywheel, if you will, um, then you are no longer a victim of the size of the market. And you can begin to create customers that did not exist before. And in 2021, 39% of all orders uh, that came in uh, were brand new to not just Cirrus, but to aviation. Right. So that's you're, you're truly making the pie bigger. Um, the number in 22 was a little, little less than that. I think it was a high 20th, uh, 20%, uh, 20, somewhere between 25 and 30%. Um, but our goal is to create a bigger pie, right? Um, so that we're not just trading market share. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. I mean, if you can create new pilots, like a lot of places just make a plane for the pilot pool that's already out there. But if you can actually, uh, not necessarily recruit, but your plane necessarily and your mission and, and what the company does recruits new people to this industry uh, because they see kind of that cool factor, you know? It's like, hey, I can be a, a cool pilot and I can fly this cool airplane. So it's really kind of a, a interesting well, way to think about it in that aspect. Well, there's that and, and there's also just the basic economics of it right so a plane ticket from chicago to let's say duluth um is 450 500 for a round trip well you can fly a cirrus you know the the piston um or somewhere between 250 to 300 now in operating costs oh, wow. right and it's an hour and a half flight right so uh, essentially you can fly out there for less than you can commercial and you can decide to bring three friends 
uh, with you in the airplane, right? Uh, so now, you know, transportation mile is significantly less than going commercial. Yeah. And you can and you can leave when you want uh, to leave, um, right? And and you can decide to change. Oh, hey, we actually we're not going to land in Chicago. We're going to land in Milwaukee because. You know, that's where the next business opportunity is, right? Um, or, or meeting a family event or whatever the case may be. So that you can ha- you can fly f- for less, have more freedom and bring more people. Well, I'm, I'm glad I don't right. have a million dollars in Bitcoin now because the sales pitch is working on me. I'm like, hey, let's get one. Let's get one. So, so um, um, it helps if you're a pilot, right? Um, if not, you can, you can obviously hire somebody to fly the airplane for you. And, yeah. and that's what we're seeing a lot of businesses doing today, right? Um, they see the benefit of, of, of what a time machine and, and uh, a series can be, right? And uh, so they buy it as a business expense and, and um, either are a pilot or learn how to fly during, during their ownership. Yeah. And uh, a couple, I think I got one more question for you. It's kind of a future based and kind of what Sirius is looking at in the future and how they came up with the vision jet. Was that company driven or was that kind of uh, customer data? Was that customer request? Hey, we want to go somewhere faster. Hey, we want jets. Uh, were all these decisions and all these future decisions, are they made based on what you think the customer wants or is it made based on what the customer is telling you they want? Um, I'll have to defer that to, to, uh, my predecessor. Uh, so this was before my time, you know, <laughs> exactly what the decision was, but, um, it's, it's sort of a combination, right? Um, when you're designing products, you have to have a little, for lack of a better term, Henry Ford in you, right? Mm-hmm. Or as a, as a team, like you have to believe that you, that you, you, you can create something that pro- the customers want. Right, that they don't need that 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 they don't need know that they need today, right? Um, or, or you know, like this, you know, Steve Jobs, you know, they, um, you know, when they thought about the iPhone and the and the you know, iPad and so forth, right? You have to believe that you can change people's behaviors um, by you know coming up with a fantastic product. And the Vision Jet right, is a fantastic um, hybrid between the the market that existed right um the reliability of a jet um the serious experience um the the ease of flying i mean there's so many similarities of um you know approach speeds you know takeoff speeds you know avionics uh, basically the whole feel of the airplane that's very similar from the piston up into the jet the difference is obviously the jet can go faster further carry more it's pressurized and so forth right so it's a natural progression from the 22T, you know, that, okay, this is the next mission that that pilot would want to fly, right? Um, so, you know, once you go above 12,000 feet, you need, you know, oxygen, right? Um, so now the mission is a little bit more complicated. You got, you got to wear cannulars and things like that. Whereas if you're in a vision jet, right, you can go to 30,000 or 31,000 feet and it's pressurized, right? So, so it's a natural product line extension, if you will. Um, and that serves um, that part of the market that is ready for that sort of mission, right? So it's a combination of you believe you can make a better airplane uh, or an airplane that's capable of, of a different mission, but also you're listening to the customer saying, okay, what's the next natural product progression that you have to come up with, right? To retain them in, in your in your ecosystem. So it's a combination. 
Sorry, that was a long answer. No, yeah, question. no, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good answer. Uh, I know we're kind of running out of time. The last question I have for you can be as short as you want. And obviously, you don't have to give away anything. I'm not going to pressure you into anything. But can we expect any kind of uh, big news or releases or anything for Sirius in the next, not in the near future at all? Or are we pretty happy with what's going on with Vision Jet, the tw- SR20, SR22, and everything I'm going on? Um, so you, you're right. We we uh, we never disclose, you know, future future product. <laughs> uh, but um, our focus has always been to improve the pro- product platforms that we have, right, and and build upon them. Um, and that's very much where our focus is at. Like every year, try to automate things, make it simpler to fly. Um, you know, find ways to go faster, go higher, carry more. You know, and so forth. Um, so we're we're continuing that focus of. Lots of base hits, like not a, not every you know introduction have to be a home run uh, or or a new launch, right? Uh, you can add lots of value to the customers by continually improving the product platform, and that's where our hit is at right now. Um, um, I don't think uh, we we need to make um, you know big jumps in in the product uh, categories right now, especially when demand is so good for the current. Uh, product portfolio that we have now that that's not a, um, a sort of a hammock like uh, uh, we can't rest on those laurels so we need to keep de- developing the product and making it better right um and and continue to try and make it you know more affordable so it becomes you know um, you know more available for for a bigger part of the population yeah, that's a good answer. I like it. Well, Sean, thanks so much for coming on. It's always fun to have you on. Uh, uh, I, I love hearing your experience and what you have to say. So I'm looking forward to, to making these more regular and having you on more often and getting uh, some more info about Sirius. So, uh, I appreciate your time and I hope you're doing well. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so appreciate much. It. Have a great day. Aviation, that's a wrap of today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Hope you enjoy it. Shout out to all our sponsors. Shout out to Sean. And thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Looking forward to doing it again. Hope you're all having a great day. And as always, happy flying.